0: Hey, church. Hey, let's give Jesus a bigger hand. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So good to be here. And uh, uh, thank you, Michael and Amanda, for inviting us and being here. And uh, it's just good. Michael has been a friend, really, uh, for so many years, however long they've been in this area from the very beginning. And we fished together, and we've golfed together, and we've Laughed together and cried together and, and now uh, i'm we're rV and we haven't gone together, but he helped me put my hitch on and uh, give me some pointers and things so we have so much in common and he's really just a great guy if you're looking for a church if this is your home your first time here or you're looking uh, this is a good church you can make this your home so God bless them and uh, what they do uh, I want to give Thanks also in recognition, Uh, we just retired last October after 35 years, and uh, people are always asking, well, how it goes, it's wonderful, amen? It is absolutely wonderful, the only thing I've ever heard people say about retirement, I wish I'd have done it 20 years earlier, you know, but uh, no, we did what God wanted, we ran our race, we uh, just thrilled in doing it. And now we're running our race all over the world. We still oversee our India ministry, and we've got 12,000 in our churches there, and uh, over 84 pastors that I oversee. And Pastor Barbara and I go every year and encourage and train and equip and ordain pastors. And so uh, we're just busy as can be, uh, and it's just been a a great joy to be here. So I want to recognize her. We've been married now 53 years. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. And not only have we been married 53 years but she was my uh, essential co-pastor and staff and uh, we worked together for all that time and we're still best friends, amen? So that's pretty surprising. Don't, don't try that unless you really know you're, you're one you're with. You know, uh, God, as I was praying about what to do when Pastor Michael asked me to speak, immediately I knew what God wanted. And it was a really life-changing stories in my life, moments in my life, that totally shaped everything that I am today. Everything that I became, everything that I am and continuing to do, and love and to monitor and to, to grow in this kingdom. You know, and it's really all about love. When God gave me the name, people say, well, wh- why did you name your church Love of Christ Church? I said, I did, and God did. And he gave me the name, and I could never change it. You know, it didn't have, I used to tell people, it didn't have a cool name to it, you know, like True Life. You know, that's just a great name. But it was the name he gave, and so we stuck with it. But it was a name we lived out. And that became who we were. And that's what I'm encouraging, whether it's True Life or whatever the name is over the door. The true issue is these two messages today. These two messages today will transform the way you see life, the way you view life, and the way joy comes into your life and how lots of things are going to come out as obstacles are no longer going to be there because you're going to see it through these two lenses that I'm going to share with you today. And that's what I believe God wants you to know. And really the heart of this is about Jesus wants you to love. How many of y'all in here, if you would say, uh, you, you really feel like you, you love God? Any of y'all out there that, that love God? Yeah. Amen. You know, uh, and maybe you're on a journey to find God. That's good, because this church, that's good. They welcome that for you to test and prod and kick the tires and, and join the journey and as, as you go along. But ultimately, there's a goal in our life to, to love God, and that's what he tells us over and over but we also know that love is also not a feeling you know sometimes we feel and we feel like we love God because he's been so good he's kind he's you know all the things that he did but there's a place where you choose love you have to choose love as an act of obedience it's not meant to be a feeling it's not meant to be an emotion It's not meant to be, oh, this is really, you know, what I I can't help myself. But when you choose it, then God will also empower you. And that's really what I want you to hear today is not to go away from here saying, Hmm, I missed the mark. That's a little condemning. That's not what it's meant. Because no matter where we are in this journey, yeah, we all fail a little short. Because we're all on a journey to becoming like Jesus. And that journey never ends till we meet him face to face in heaven. Amen. So that is the journey you're on. But don't give up and say, well, that's just not me. You know, I can't be that. That's not the kind of person I am. Well, that's that's not true. You're everything that God wants you to be. You can be, and God is wanting you to be, everything that he has designed for you to be and that's what we need to understand that if he is called you to and even commanded you to do something with a command he will always empower you to do it the key is our heart the key is to open up our heart to allow God to come in Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us and then yielding to him saying make me more like you Jesus Holy Spirit, have your way in my heart. Work in me because it's a challenge. In fact, this whole world is but a test of love. This whole world is but a test of loving God, loving others. And that's really what it comes down to. God wants you to love. Jesus wants you to love. And that's what this message is about. But I'm gonna boil it down to primarily two areas, because that's all the time we really have to do, and those two areas. And that is, number one, Jesus wants you to love his church. He wants you to love his church. And when I speak of the church, I don't mean a building with a name on it, a steeple. I mean the church. Jesus calls it the body of Christ. He calls it his church that he built. And that's what he is, whether it's here, whether it's at Love of Christ, whether it's in India, wherever we go in the world, there's believers. And one day, his church will come together when we are all called to heaven, and we will be there, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, gathering together, singing thousands of hallelujahs. Amen? And that's what he wants you to know is that's who you're destined to be, that's who you're called to be, and that you're to be in love with his church. And that's what he does. He loved his church. You know, when you think about it, you know, he even says to the church, he says to us husbands, it's the one, uh, if you don't know what husbands, your wife does and reminds you. He says, husbands, love your wife like what? Christ loves the church. Now, how many of y'all know that your wife is really easy to love, amen? Or your husband is really easy to love. That's, that's, just, a long, you know, that's just a going deal, you know? Uh, that there's never, you know, 53 years of marriage, we've had a couple of really good discussions along the way. And that's what we call them, discussions. Uh, to the outside, if you could see it, it may not look like that. But there are times when you can be hurt, You can be offended, you can be upset, you can be angry, you can be wounded, you know, because humans do that. That's why Jesus came. But there's a place when in your marriage you have to choose love. When I grew up and I didn't come from a very loving family, you know, I try to remember, I can't hardly remember my mother or my father ever hugging me or hardly ever saying they love me. I remember my mother, one of the times, she just would pat me on the shoulder or something. And she had a real rough life, and she was married and divorced seven times, and I I saw all that and realized that. And so I was never raised in church, and I saw the brokenness that that came, and I know that that happens, those happens. I'm not here to say it doesn't happen. Relationships are hard. But when I was in my early teens, I just decided, wow, that's not working. I'm going to choose love. And when I met Barbara, we actually been together longer than 50 years. Uh, I remember when I was just 17 years old and she was 15 years old. And I saw her across the room. And I knew at that moment I instantly fell in love with her. And within a short period of time, I instantly knew that I loved her and that I wanted to marry her. And spend the rest of my life with her and I never even knew what love was but I knew that changed me and it totally changed who I was and it came down to a decision and I told her I said we're going to just commit this was because not because we're Jesus followers we weren't at that time but I just want us to commit that we're going to commit to this thing no matter how hard it gets we're not going to give up we're going to commit to love one another and that's what we did it was a choice You choose it, and then you work through the the difficulties. You choose it, because if you don't choose it, there'll come a difficulty, and you'll avoid it. If you don't choose love in these other circumstances, a difficulty will come, and then you'll back away from it. You'll back away from a church. You'll back away from a friendship. You'll back away from something because there's a difficulty, but you choose to love. You know, that's what we understand about Jesus and who he is. You know, when I was uh, walking through this time, I ended up getting saved. We were in our 20s and married now, and uh, we were living in a rural area in this little country church. The pastor would knock on our door every so often and visit us, reach out to us, pray with us, and invite us to church. And I just want to put a plug in there. That's what you should be doing. People aren't going to come here because they're going to look you up on the Internet. They're going to come here because you invite them, not Pastor Michael or Amanda, not Pastor Perry, but because you do. You're going to invite them, and they're going to come because you know them, and they will come. Remember that. But we were in our early 20s, I was, and, and all of a sudden, we found Jesus. We went to this church. We got saved so totally, outrageously transformed into followers of Jesus. And both of us went in the baptismal pool together and we fell in love with Jesus. But we fell in love with the church. I just all of a sudden knew that these people love Jesus. And if they love Jesus, well, hey, that makes us family. I'm going to love them. Isn't that simple? But sometimes you forget because that person offends you or wounds you that that's family. You just like, you haven't talked to them. You won't even go up and shake their hand in the foyer. I really want to encourage you, shake more hands, hug more necks, smile at people, because they're just as afraid of you as you are of them. But we were in that church, and so I, I never remember hugging people. I never remember. And all of a sudden, I started shaking people's hands. And I would go around, and then I would shake this old lady's hand, and then I'd say, well, I can't shake her hand and not shake hers. And, I, and next thing you know, this church only has like 100 people in it. I'm shaking hands, loving on every one of the people in there. I don't know how to describe it but I just fell in love with every one of those people and some of those people were pretty hateful. I'm telling you they were hard to love but I loved them anyway. And in fact we were so in love with the church I would get, take vacation time teach vacation bible school. We served, we sang in the choir, we we cleaned toilets. We would do whatever cuz we love the church. And I just fell in love with that well, in this journey, I don't know about you, but I had gotten saved, and I'm now reading my Bible and just really in love with Jesus. And all of a sudden, I begin to question. I said, I wonder if I didn't say the prayer right. What if I didn't say the sinner's prayer? Y'all know you got to say it exactly word for word, don't you? No, please, strike that. You don't. That's not the way it works. And I was thinking, well, maybe I said it wrong. Well, you believe in your heart and confess in your mouth. Well, maybe I didn't believe it. Maybe I didn't say the right words. You know, I'm like tormented now because I believe. Once I got saved, I believed in heaven and I believe in hell. Amen? It's just as real as both are real. And so I'm tormenting myself. What if I'm not right? But I know, well, I did this. By faith, what is faith? You know, I'm struggling, struggling, struggling. And then one day in my devotion. That's why I encourage you, read your Bible every day. If it's just one chapter, if it's just 10 verses, whatever, just read something because God wants to talk to you. But I turned to 1 John 3.1. And it said, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one. You know, Cain and Abel, if you go back to the Genesis chapter one, it's Adam's and Eve's first two children, their brothers. Only two people, two other people on the face of the planet, and one hates the other one and kills them. Isn't that amazing how people are? Somebody's out to kill you, you just don't know it, amen? Y'all didn't laugh. <laughs> You're all right. Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brother's actions were righteous. Righteous and evil being played out God is showing us from the very beginning verse 13 do not be surprised my brother if the world hates you Verse 14. This is the life-changing verse. It totally changed my life forever We know that we have passed from death to life Because why? We love our brothers. We know everybody say "We we know we know That's what I was crying out. Lord, how do I know I'm saved? I know it's by faith, and that's the substance of things. You know, you can go down that journey, and you just do. You believe God's word, and God's word is always true. And Yes, 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 yes. yes. But I was like wanting something a little more concrete. How do we know? And all of a sudden, the Lord shows me this verse, and it leaps off the page to us. We know. I know that I have passed from death to life because I love my brothers. And immediately, God told and brought before me the face of this little church. All those old ladies, all those old men, all those young teens, I loved every one of them. And then he brought me and reminded me of Brother Elwood. And Brother Elwood, I'm now like 22 years old and I'm a surfer, you know, and macho and, you know, hunter. and You know, I'm just really, you know, I don't want anything to do except being a man's man. You know, I wouldn't even carry a pocketbook or a diaper bag, you know. You change that when you start having babies, amen. You you carry the diaper bag and say, I'm glad to do it, amen. But back then, I wasn't there. But all of a sudden, I came in this church, and Brother Elwood, uh, I fell in love with him because I realized he loved Jesus. But Brother Elwood was like in his 40s, never married, you know, kind of acted different and had this high, squeaky voice like that and would, you know, get embarrassed and blush and, you know, every little thing. He could, he could barely function, but because he loved the church, he would come to church. And Brother Elwood, in fact, we sang in the choir together and we, I grew to know him more and more and I found out he loved Jesus. But one good thing about Brother Elwood, when he started singing, I sounded like an angel. And I'm pretty bad. But all of a sudden, God took this scripture and I realized that something had happened to me, that a person that was completely different outside of the model of what I would normally have any concern for, nothing but maybe contempt for, judgment for, I was in love. And I actually remember that praying that morning I said out loud, "I'm in love with Elwood." And it even sounded weird to me, and I said it again, I'm in love with Elwood because he loves Jesus, and I love Jesus. Oh God, thank you for that revelation. And that just opened the door that no matter where I go, I just love people. I love the body of Christ. I, I go anywhere in the world. Pastor Barbara and I are the last people to usually leave the building, even though we've never been there before, because we just love the body of Christ. I love you. If you want to come talk to me or shake my hand, come up, because I love you. You know, even when we first started the church, people said, you, you, you can just say so easily you love me. You don't know me. You can't say that. That's only reserved for certain people. And i said no i love you you can't say that yes i did i just did it i love you and then all of a sudden after a couple of years they started saying you know i really appreciate you loving me i look forward to those hugs and those loves because they had been changed by the power of love god wants you to love his church and that's what we need to remember and that that means that sometimes you're going to be hurt you're going to be wounded just like you are in a marriage just like two brothers or sisters have you ever seen two sisters or brothers get in arguments and fights and fusses you know it's like it just happens but you don't stop being family and that's what I say to you that, about that you know everywhere in the Bible I begin to see love in John 13 34 he says a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another and then he says, by this, everybody say, by this. Now, you will not want to know that. You won't want you'll want to forget it. But by this, what this, this love, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. You know, I really take this serious. The world is dying and going to hell because they don't see a church that loves one another. They don't see a church that is diverse. There's too much singleness of race and age and economic position. And the early church had every person, every nation, every tongue brought together in Passover celebration. They came from Africa and all over the world, and all of a sudden, they were meeting house to house, In love with each other and that totally changed the world they had Roman soldiers and Roman people and people of Roman citizenships and people who were slaves side by side worshiping each other because they were in love with Jesus and that changed the world and I'm telling you it will still change the world you fall in love with each other and not just each other but the church you left and the church you left before that And the one that hurts you there and let it go and just start loving people around you it will totally change your life and set you free (laughs) hallelujah thank you thank you thank you by this they'll know that we're love you know I've been through church and I can tell you that uh, when we first started pastoring I was like so naive I remember even pastoring I said now we're gonna be in a church where everybody's gonna love one another there's going to never be any disagreements, no gossip, no backbiting, no hurt feelings, because we're going to love, amen? And then all of a sudden, one day, all these people used to come to our church, and they'd tell me these stories. Well, I went to this church, and this pastor did this and this. I said, you poor sheep. You come over here. I'm going to take care of you. I'm f- you finally found the pastor that's going to truly love you, you know, and everything's going to be all right. And I just thought that's the way life would be. And then all of a sudden, uh, one day, one incident, they went from me being the greatest pastor they'd ever seen in the world to being almost the Antichrist. <laughs> you know, and uh, that I was the false prophet and I was this and I was that, and they were out to destroy me and destroy the church. And it so hurt me. It changed me. It attacked me. It was a test of my faith. But Lord, your church, I'm supposed to love this church. They're supposed to love me. This isn't happening. What's going on here? And I was almost like at a crisis moment of faith. And I was saying, I forgive these people because I know I had to forgive them. But literally, I remember like a year later, I'm, I'm crying, I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them. I s- ran into a store. And I'm pushing a cart, and I look down the aisle, and I see one of these people that had so broken me and spoke against me that it made me sick to my stomach and overwhelmed with fear, like Elijah when he ran. All of a sudden, I I literally hear a great man of faith of God. I go running out of the store, sick to my stomach, leave the cart, leave everything, and run home. And I'm crying, Lord, what's happening? I forgave them. Why am I still feeling this? I wish I had time to tell you the healing that went through and the forgiveness that went through and how then I just begin to love them and have nothing but compassion for them. But I don't have time. But it can happen with God's help. He can and will, and that's his journey. That's his goal for you is to let it go to where it's not painful any longer. And we need to see that because that's what the command is that we go. Jesus even told us not only are we supposed to love his church, in Luke 6, 35, he says, love your enemies. Wait a minute, Jesus, you've done gone too far. <laughs> this is like too much. No, uh, you, you know, that they hurt, they talked about me, they offended me, they wounded me. Well, that's what he says, love your enemies. Why would he tell us to do that if he didn't empower us to do it? Would he just do that just to frustrate us? Oh, let me show you how, you know, he would... He he really meant it. He says, do good to them, lend to them without expecting, and then, everybody say then, then your reward will be great. Not because you love just other believers, but when you're loving people who have hurt you. You'll be sons of the Most High because he's kind and grateful. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. How can we? How can we do this? Well, First John 4, 19 begins to give a little bit. But it says, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he sees cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. There again, he puts it. This isn't a suggestion that your life would go better. This is what I, your God, am commanding you as a follower, which you now must choose to completely obey. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves the child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God. How? By loving God, carrying out his commands. That's why I really wanna encourage you, fall in love with this church. A church, a group of people, fall in love with the church around the world and all the ones that have wounded you and hurt you. Just, you don't have to be around them any longer, but you just keep loving them. And then when you do, everything in your life, you're giving, you're serving, you're tithing, everything. Coming to church, gathering on the weekends, isn't just out of obligation. It's because you love the church. So many people in this day, well, we don't need churches and to organize religion. I'm going to tell you, that's a lie from the devil. We need the church. Jesus loved the church. He formed the church. He is passionate about the church. And the way the world is going to be won is through you gathering together as the church. And can anybody say amen to that? Thank you. Number two, Jesus wants you to love the lost. He wants you to love the church, but he wants you to love the ones who aren't here. He wants you to love the lost. Matthew 18, 11 says, For the Son of Man, the Son of Man is a messianic title that was given back even in the Old Testament times where the promise of the coming Messiah, which then was Jesus. He is the Son of man. So Jesus, the Son of Man, has come to save what? That that was lost. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep, one of them goes astray does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and seek the one that is straying? all of a sudden God goes into a story a parable a story about sheep and lost and shepherds and in their culture and in their environment everyone knew what he was talking about because this was literally life and death prosperity everything in your life was really found in the life of that sheep and whether your child end up going to be able to eat next winter when it was cold whether you could sell the wool whether you could provide the milk or whatever the the process they were they understood this and that this is the heart of a shepherd that loves his sheep that he just does it would lay down his life that's why Jesus used that illustration over and over again but he says when one of them goes astray wouldn't he leave those others that are safe, that's you guys, and then go out and seek the one who is straying? In verse 13, and if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these souls, one of these little ones, should perish. That's what Jesus is trying to say to us. He doesn't want anyone outside of the church not to be found. They're like his children. They're lost. They need to be found. And he tells a story and tries to help us understand that story by telling us a story. When I was, before I just came to Delaware, and God told us to come to Delaware, but I was a, a deer hunter. And in that culture, deer hunting is all different, but it was thousands and thousands of acres of swamp, and owned by the paper company and the forestry, and they'd put dirt roads for logging roads, but then they'd rent it out to groups of guys like us that banded together into clubs, and we leased it for hunting. And we would then take, and the way you do it there, because you didn't sit in a tree or, you know, in a blind, you you would get together as a group, and you'd meet, then you'd trail down the road, find a track that came across the, the, the sand, and if it looked like a good one, make a plan and say, okay, here's the block of woods we're going to hunt. You go here, 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 and Jim's going to put his pack of dogs on the track, and they'd start trailing it. And then they would trail this track out, amazingly difficult thing to do, barking every once in a while, and you're following and listening. And then when they find that deer where he's been sleeping at night it, all the scent is fresh they start barking their heads off they're having the grandest time i'm telling you the dogs are like blowed their mind this is the best thing in the world the scent and they're following it and barking it and they're just having this grandest time of their life and now we old guys we would be in our trucks and our dog boxes on the back and our shotguns hanging in the window you know, and our CV antennas, and you got your ears on, and they're coming over to the south and get around their gym because the dogs are going to come that way. And they shifted, in the wind is, sh- you know, we were just, we never killed any deer Harley. We just had fun, you know, chasing them and had the grandest time. Well, for years, I'd been trying to have dogs that I could say, let Steve put his dogs on. Let them trail them out. And I finally got this pair of dogs. And one of them was Annie, this beautiful black and tan. And she was just the greatest trailer and would just work a trail out. And then this other one was Little Bit. And that Little Bit was a uh, cross. Y'all know, a lot of you know what beagles are, the little brown and white dogs with little short legs. And she was a cross between a beagle and a long-legged foxhound running dog. And so she came out though with the little bitty legs like this But she had the heart and passion to run forever she didn't know when to quit that was one of her failings but not only on top of that one of the problems was no one else could touch her you know when you're hunting dogs like that you put a collar on them this is before you didn't have electronics or anything or or cell phones everything was cb but you would put your name and address and tell home telephone number on it and then if your dog did get away it would eventually some hunter would find it or some homeowner it would come up in the yard and they'd find it and they'd look at the collar and they would say hey i got your dog over here you know come and get it so that's the way we you know sometimes had to find our dogs well the problem with a little bit was she was terrified of humans i don't know what happened to her but she was just terrified and i would actually work when i realized she was I would take her and bring her out of the dog box, and I would stand there and hold her and pet her and love her and scratch an old dirty, smelly dog, you know, trying to do it. I would feed it, but as soon as I let her go, she would run away and hide. And so I knew she would barely let me come up and touch her. And so I knew that nobody else could ever catch her either. So one day, Annie and a little bit go off. They jump this deer, and it gets by everybody, and they're just having a high old time running. And when this happens, uh, a big rainstorm blows up. And usually what happens after they run a while, Annie starts getting a little tired, and she gets further and further behind a little bit, and then a little bit won't ever give up. She just keeps going. She won't turn around. And finally, she realizes after an hour or two, well, where's Annie? She must have already quit. And then she finally gives up, and they both trail themselves back. It's just ingenious where you put them out, they trail themselves back all those hours, and that you can pick them up there as certain, you know, hours later. So that day, they ran off, and that day, Annie came back home. But a little bit was so far gone that ahead of her, a big rainstorm came in. It was one of those sideways rainstorms. It washed all the scent away, and she couldn't find herself back home. And I waited into the light night, and I circled and called and circled and called up and down the roads no little bit. I went back the next day, the next day after work. Every day after work, I would go. In the mornings, I would look. In the evenings, I would look. I left my dog box there. I left my coat there in case she comes back. She would lay on the coat and stay. I waited. Days went by. Weeks started going by. I would lay awake at night thinking about a little bit. The poor thing is out there. She's hungry. She's cold. She's starving. Maybe she's dead. Maybe a snake got her, a bear, another mean dog. Maybe she was run over. Maybe she just died. Lord, what's going on? Where is her? Where's little bit? Lord, help me find little bit. And the passion of this story is about God's passion for a soul. I was crying out for this little dog, little bit. Where are you? Oh, and I would search and search and search. And that's the heart of God, searching for you, searching for those that are lost. And then one day I was at work, and I happened to tell my story to uh, another hunter there. And he says, you know what? I heard a, about a dog. that sounds that description over at this bus stop. In this rural area, they have, you know, just these little shelters. You may have seen them where they put it up on the corner, and the kids all assembled there in case it rains. And he said, these kids at this particular bus stop said they've been feeding this dog for about a week. He says, it sounds just like your dog, but they won't, she won't let him touch her. They never can get close to her. But every day she comes and they give her part of their lunch. And I said, that might be her. So that night, I'm so excited. I called Barbara and tell her I'm going, or after dinner. And I get in my truck. It's night. It's late. It's dark. I'm looking for this bus stop I'm looking for her I remember turning the corner and the lights were shining down the road and there at that bus stop there she stood I found her and I come up and she starts to run and I realize uh oh she doesn't know it's me and so I stop the truck in the middle of the road and I jump out and I say little bit (laughs) it's me little bit please come on girl come on and she heard my voice and she turned around she was trying to look at me but of course the lights of the truck she maybe couldn't see I think she recognized the voice. I don't know but she was terrified this dog that was hard to touch now had gone wild because she hadn't been around a human being or touched or loved for weeks and she cried and then I looked at her and I said, A little bit, please come. And I knew in my heart that if I don't find her, if I can't bring her home, then she's gone. There's no way home for her. She'll be lost forever. And that's the heart of God crying out for souls. That's the heart of God crying out for you. There's people out there that he knows that will only hear your voice. They will only hear your cry and your love and come home. And that night I'm standing there about 50 yards apart and I'm calling her, little bit, it's me. Come on home. And when she does, all of a sudden she stops and she gets down on her belly. And there she is in the middle of the road, and she's on her her little little belly, her legs only that long. She's laying down and she's crying, whimpering. Uh, uh. Now I'm getting down on my knees because I want to make it as unthreatening as possible. And I'm crying a little bit. Please. Come on a little bit. Come on a little bit. Come on. And I start crawling to her. And she's crying and I'm crying and she's whimpering and she's crawling towards me. And I said, please, please a little bit. And you could tell that at any moment she might just bolt away that all my searching, All my praying, all my crying out might be gone in an instant. I don't know. Will she be found? Will she come home? And I'm like, come home. There's food. There's here. You're safe. If you'll just come, you've got to trust. And she crawled, but that last few yards she would not cross. She couldn't bring herself to entrust into the arms of love. And that's the way maybe you are right now. You can't cross that divide. You can't go that next 20 yards. The person you're talking to at work, they can't cross it. They need you to say, come on home. Come home to the Father through Jesus. And I'm standing there laying on the dirt now crying. And the Lord says, open the box. And so I go to the back of my truck and I open the the box door then And then I walk way over to the side and I say, come on, girl. You know what to do. Come on home. And she runs like lickety-split and jumps in the back of the box. Amen. She came home. I want you to know that she had a wound in her life that she couldn't cross. She had a fear in her that she couldn't deal with. But she needed someone to say, come home. And that's what God wants you to remember to love the lost. There are people out there, you're saying, well, they can come. They know where we are. I invited them one time. No. Did you cry for them? Have you prayed for them? Have you loved them? Have you been good to them? Have you lent to them? Have you spoken well of them? Have you encouraged them? Have you prayed for them? Have you shown them that you really love? You can be trusted. And you invite them to your home, this church. That's what they need to hear. They can't cross. You think it's so easy to cross through those front two doors up there? It can. It, I'm going to tell you, they are terrified. In their heart, they are so terrified, they're shaking because they don't know what's going to happen to them. And that's where you need to be there to hug them and love them and smile at them and welcome them in and say, You're home now. Everything's going to be okay. Let me introduce you to all the family here. You've got a family here. If you'll just come on in. And Jesus will change their heart. Amen. That's my call to you. Love the church. And then love the lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful. (laughs) For every one of us in this building that we have been found. Lord, I'm assuming that's most, but thank you. We'll never be able to serve you, give to your kingdom, work in the church, go out and reach the Lord. None of that uh, will ever be enough to repay you. But we do it because we love you and because you've loved us to die on that cross. And there may be someone here today Or maybe you're watching online, just came across this, wherever you are, and you're far from coming home. You've been wounded. You've been hurt, baby, by people in the church. You've been broken. They are the hatefulest, nastiest. Yes, I know. I'm one of them. Forgive me. But Jesus loves you. He wants you to find a family that you can love unconditionally and just continue to love he wants you to come home to his house eternally in heaven that's what he calls it his house with mansions rooms waiting for you but it's only through Jesus he wants you to believe in Jesus that God so loved you that he sent Jesus to die and pay for your sin He's done everything to bring you to that place. He's searching and searching and seeking. He's cried out. He's he's prostrated himself before the cross, allowed nails to be driven into it. And I am saying, come home. Come home. Just believe. And if that's you, I'm asking you believe today. You don't feel it, maybe. You just chew. I'm going to believe. Jesus and his word and let it change my life come change me Holy Spirit come live in me and from this day forward I give you my life to follow Jesus and that's what everyone around here I'm praying that you pray that for us that have known you Lord today take us and let us fall deeper in love with your church let us be healed of all the wounds and let us find our place of service and connection in this family and for that we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus name and everyone who can agree with those prayers can you say amen